Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So just to get started, if you don't mind introducing yourself and introducing the group that, that you're a part of. Certainly. Uh, my name is Sean Whitaker. I am a member of the Marxist group of Namibia. We have been in existence since 2011, you know, and we um, see ourselves as uh, a left-wing group in Namibia. We certainly have many important responsibilities because Namibia was colonized for more than a century, and Marxism, of course, was banned. And and you know, so we are an openly Marxist group. Firstly, you know, for that reason, because Marxism was banned for so long, uh, and secondly because of you know the dominance of christianity in this country we have a very low level of political consciousness for us it's very important to you know to promote a left-wing agenda and to, to address some of the important issues um, previously when i lived in cape town i was a, a central committee member of a group called the Workers' Organization for Socialist Action. And in the 1994 democratic elections in South Africa, we participated, we participated in the 1994 democratic elections under the banner of a group called the Workers' List Party. Uh, we joined with other comrades, left wing comrades, and formed the Workers' List Party. But like I said, I am with a Marxist group of Namibia at the moment. Incidentally, while we are talking about Warsaw, the group in, in South Africa, we have strong fraternal relationships with a group in the US called Socialist Action. And they still exist. They still have the headquarters in San Francisco. Um, so, so you know, so we do have links with, with groups in other parts of the world, but like I said, I've been with the Marxist group of Namibia, and certainly for us, our long-term vision is to, to help to, to uh, start a, a, a mass workers' party um, that would bring the whole left wing, the whole working class, the radical middle class together, and to try to take the anti-capitalist struggle forward. There are obviously important lessons for us to learn from the Soviet Union, the, the, the Communist Party that existed there. There are important lessons to learn from the Brazilian Workers' Party. You know, certainly the, you know, so we would like to form a mass workers' party eventually that would bring everyone in the left wing together. And of course, the, the important thing about a mass workers party like that is to have internal democracy, that you allow for 
the right to interpret, the right to factions, and so on. I think that is something that we certainly like our comrades in the US to consider as well. That, you know, to bring all the, the left-wing groups together under one big group and allow for internal democracy to discuss all the important issues that will always be there. But if you don't have that, if you see that with what happened in the Soviet Union, if you don't have internal democracy in a mass organization, it will eventually collapse, you know, because it simply cannot deal with new situations, new circumstances. And, and, and once again, we certainly would like to encourage our comrades in the US Certainly, you as well in, in the US at this stage, the social democratic system is dead and gone. You are now also dealing with you know, all the crises created neoliberal capitalism, massive youth unemployment, uh, homelessness, hunger, you know, a massive medical costs, of course. So, so, so you are now dealing with all the same kind of issues that you in the global south are dealing with. And so it's important, you know, with, with clearly, as you can see in the Ukraine, everywhere there's a strong neo-Nazi movement, the truckers movement in Canada, the truckers movement in the US as well. There's clearly a strong neo-Nazi movement uh, awakening. And if we on the left cannot organize, uh, you know, we will certainly, at the end of the day, you know, what, with what happened in Germany with the Nazis, uh, they, you know, the Nazis and Hitler targeted the Bolsheviks first, you know, we must always remember that. And, 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 and the main reason is that for, for Hitler to invade the Soviet Union was to destroy Bolshevism. And, and so, you know, with fascism, you must understand that you know, the left will always be the first target. And if we are not well organized, you know, we will be the first one in the jails uh, and, and targeted for, you know, for assassination. Absolutely. And um, if you don't mind going a little bit more into Namibia's unique uh, post-independence conditions. And we, you know, in your uh, previous message, you talked a little bit about about SWAPO as the ruling party, but if you don't mind talking more about your, your position on SWAPO and how a mass workers party would be desperately needed in, in Namibia today. Look, we've had, you know, more than three decades of neo-colonialism, of, you know, SWAPO being in power. Um, but of course, at this point, that neo-colonial project has reached a dead end. We have about half of the Namibian population living in informal settlements. We have something like a 60% unemployment rate amongst young people in this country. You know, so clearly when Swapo came to power, they came into power from a position of weakness. You know, despite their propaganda, uh, you know, Swapo did not shoot one bullet at Tutu Kunabao. Um, you know, the initial idea, of course, for American imperialism was to, you know, divide Angola into two sections, the southern Angola and the northern Angola. And that couldn't happen, you know, the, the second option is to create an independent Namibia. 
uh, but you know, under a new liberal constitution, which meant you know, privatization, increasing privatization, you know, cutting the public sector, deregulation of the financial sector. So obviously, these new liberal conditions worsen the conditions for the working people to live. Uh, at that point, of course, the left wing, when, when independence came, when you know the new colonial project started, uh, the left wing in the Mughal was extremely weak uh, for two main reasons. Okay, the one was that obviously with colonialism, like I said, Marxism was banned, left wing people were, 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 were more seriously uh, uh, harassed and treated and assassinated and thrown in prison. I mean, the, the ruling class has always had that kind of different approach. You know, come down hard on the left wing, and of course, you know, it's a different approach for the moderates. So obviously, when when uh, political independence happened to Nazi, the left wing was already small and very weak. The, the second main reason was that in exile, of course, Swapok, you know, committed war crimes. They had camps in Zambia and Angola, and they mainly targeted your radical youth. So a minimum of three thousand Namibian youth died in the Swapo camps. Okay, so we had from the start a very weak left wing. And so obviously, you know, these right-wing economic policies dominated and still dominant today. And of course, the socioeconomic conditions for the working people of the world only got worse. So at this point, whether, you know, after more than three decades, the, the neo-colonial project, of course, has come to an end, basically people are disillusioned, people can now see there has been no progress in their lives. On the contrary, I think things have only disintegrated because of this new liberal approach. And of course, with the exposure of the massive corruption in the fishing industry, where at the moment we have two former government ministers, Swapo government ministers in prison, He's the Minister of Justice and the Minister of Fisheries, and the former ministers are presently in prison in Namibia because of the massive corruption in the fishing industry that was exposed by the international media, by Al Jazeera in particular. You know, and this, of course, is completely discredited as well. You know, and you see that with the last national elections, there was a, a significant decline in their political support. And of course, for the next national elections in 2024, can be sure that the political support of Swapo would decline even more. So at this point, we are in a, a very difficult situation in that you know, the ruling party, Swapo, has lost political credibility, you know, the massive corruption, the war crimes and committed in exile, they've really lost political credibility. But at the same time, of course, we don't have a strong and an effective left-wing group at the moment. We have lots of center-right parties, you know, same kind of politics as Swapo. Most of them, in fact, you know, formed by former Swapo members. So you see that crisis of the left-wing very clearly in the movie as well. But Swapo is a political party, of course, has no future anymore. You know, I, in fact, I think the way that they would want to survive would be to form a coalition government in 2024. 
are already talking to some of the other centre-right parties in the country. And in that way, they might, of course, continue to exist. But, but that is also why it's so necessary to form a left-wing group, a strong left-wing group, as soon as possible. Uh, but but Swapo as a project, you know, is still in trouble, and I, I doubt very much, you know, if they will get the majority vote in the next national election. Yeah, so I, I see definitely the the need, as you're saying, for an alternative party in Namibia to contest Swapo. But if you if you also can talk about how, and you mentioned Quido Conaval, so how the role of uh, American and also South African imperialism in Namibia plays a role in the legacy of that, plays a role in maintaining this uh, kind of, I guess, like a nationalist party within power and, uh, and how that legacy as well shapes Namibian politics, the history of imperialism. Absolutely. Uh, look, I mean, we, we have to realize that, you know, uh, big businesses in the Namibia are still by and large, you know, South African. You know, we have a massive capital outflow. And of course, it basically goes to Johannesburg. Uh, you know, and, and so, yes, so, so South Africa, you know, Pretoria is still the sub-imperialist power in Southern Africa. And all these like I said, all these businesses, big businesses in particular, is still owned by the former colonizers. Okay. Uh, for that reason, of course, we had a very limited uh, you know, decolonization in the world. Uh, because the economic situation, clearly, I mean, you know, the wealth still goes to the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, to the New York Stock Exchange, and so on. So, so, yes, yeah, so, so in, in so many ways, it's been paper written, you know, no real material change in the, in, the, in the conditions on the ground. And of course, you know, many of us in the left will say, yes, we must get reparations from Germany, you know, for the genocide that happened in 1904, in 1904 to 1908. But we must also demand reparations from the uh, because obviously, uh, you know, the colonizers from South Africa took over in 1915, and of course, they have also stolen so much of the wealth of the world. They have continued, of course, to control so much of the world. That conversation still needs to happen as well. Uh, clearly, you know, the South African people, that they need to at some point be held accountable. For, for what has happened here. Um, and of course, I mean, you know, American uh, big business has been, you know, involved in Namibia for a long time. Uh, go back to the history of Walfish Bay, for example, the whaling industry has always been controlled by American business, uh, for example. And of course, today, clearly, uh, the American government is constructing a huge embassy in Bentuk at this time. And so you have to ask yourself why, what is that all about? You know, and of course it shows you the tremendous American interest in Namibia, and there are many important reasons for that. Firstly, 
of course, the mercury is a large amount of uranium. Okay, and of course, the uranium mines at this point are owned by China. And so that's one of the reasons why there's such a strong American presence in America. Uh, it, it, it's part of that, you know, part of the, 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 the global conflict between the big powers, you know, the US, China, Russia, as you see what is playing out in, in Ukraine. And of course, at some point, the Chinese were interested in having a naval base in the Middle East. Uh, of course, the idea didn't go very far, but you can be sure what happened behind the scenes of clearly, uh, you know, the American ruling class would not be happy with something like this. But, but, but once again, the, one of the main issues is that the Mercury has a very large amount of uranium, and then there's this uranium goes to China. And so, so in terms of geopolitics, of course, the American ruling class is very interested in the mafia and does, you know, have a strong presence in the uh, In terms of Kyoto Kulabal, Kyoto Kulabal is an important issue for me. Firstly, you know, it was about Angola, it was about, it was, it was a proxy war, so like, like you just said, it's a proxy war between, on the one hand, you know, the apartheid regime, uh, Western imperialism, on the other hand, of course, the Angolan government, uh, the Soviet Union, which was a proxy war in so many ways, but it, you know, the, the apartheid regime was not militarily defeated at Kyoto Kulabai. That is why you have this very limited decolonization and emergency. If you look at what happened in post apartheid South Africa, Black South Africans, by and large, you know, are still impoverished. And, and, you know, they, they certainly have not been a significant improvement in the socioeconomic conditions. Uh, yes, of course, Kyoto Kulabal was a psychological defeat of the apartheid army, but it was not a military defeat. And that is why, you know, you see this kind of situation in the Mercury and in post-apartheid South Africa. Uh, of course, Namibia is a very rich country. You know, there's lots of uh, diamonds, for example. You know, besides the uranium, there's diamonds. Uh, there's all kinds of, there's lots of zinc, there's lots of copper, there's lots of fish. Uh, Namibia is an extremely rich country. We only have two and a half million people, but the vast majority, of course, live in tremendous poverty. Because, like in the global south, you know, most of the wealth eventually leaves the country and goes to the global north in the ruling class. And do you mind talking more about, in particular, the role of, I'm very fascinated with that role of being in the global south and how that changes some of the demands of, the, of your group in particular and how Marxism can evolve when positioned in the global south and having to deal with you know, neo-colonialism, extraction, and continued uh, imperialism and colonialism. So how does that evolve your theoretical basis? Yeah, it's an important question. Um, for us, the main issue is mass unemployment. Uh, that's our biggest challenge. You know, you cannot build a socialist society if you don't have an answer for it. 
uh, you know, the, the agenda of big business is about profit making. Really. So big business is not interested in overcoming unemployment. If they less unemployment is good for them because then they can drive wages down. So, so, so big business is only interested in profit maximization. Uh, so for us, of course, as a socialist group, it, for us, the issue is the maximization of social welfare. And surely you have to start with full employment. You know, but the only way to do that is to take away the political power of big business uh, and give power to the workers. It's, it's about political power. You know, so our main position is the right to work. I know in the US, the whole thing about the right to work is a, is a right-wing demand, you know, because it depends on your context and how you understand the right to work. But for us as a left-wing, our main demand is the right to work, which means full employment. And, and the question is, how do you get to full employment? You know, I think the global south it means Setting up cooperatives. You know, you can certainly learn from Argentina. We have comrades in Argentina that we have close links with. And we follow their movement around cooperatives very, very closely. Uh, of course, they have the advantage in that Argentina had an industrial base that we don't have to mobilize. So we, in some ways, uh, we are starting from scratch. Also, of course, because of our economic dependence on Pretoria. You know, but, but for us, certainly as a Marxist group, the question of setting up cooperatives is very important in terms of overcoming the network. Uh, that we have to, you know, explain to working people that they need to be self-reliant, they need to set up their own support structures, and that means setting up cooperatives, you know, in, in for food production, for example, basic needs, basic consumer goods, possible set of our own trade networks, you know, with working classes in South Africa or Angola or wherever, you know. So for us, you know, the setting up co of cooperatives, also for the housing question, is very, very important. But, but yeah, as a way of overcoming this unemployment and, of course, to be as independent as possible from the capitalist state. Capitalist state, the state has its own priorities, and the profit maximization for them is important. But of course, for us, it's about working class, it's about working people. So, so, so definitely setting up cooperatives, the whole idea of job sharing, which comes from the French the left, I think it's an important idea. Uh, Andre Gord, you know, the, the, the French the Marxist has written interesting stuff around job sharing. Um, so, so the right to work. Addressing the question of less unemployment, especially unemployment among young people, is the most important issue for us. Well, there are unimportant issues. You know, the right to housing. As you know, with neoliberalism, housing is seen as a commodity. You know, it's, it's all about profit. So, like I said, in Namibia, we, we, we call it the Czech country because half of the population, of course, lives in Czech uh, and, and for such a mineral rich country, that would make any sense. But it's because your top 1% is all the way You know, so for us, if you think about in the Soviet Union, you know, people only spend, you know, they tend to create full employment, and people only spend 6% of their monthly income on housing. 
us, the right to housing is very important. If you look at, at, at Uruguay, if you look at Latin, we, we, we try to you know, learn as people from our Latin American comrades. You know, so in, in Uruguay, they set up a housing cooperative uh, as a way to try to address the housing question. They even have the right to housing in their constitution. I think that's an important issue for the left minister. If you look at what they did in Chile, they, they, they rewrote you know, the, the, the neoliberal uh, constitution. Uh, so, so, so that is an important struggle for the left minister, the right to housing. You know, that people deserve to live in decent houses, uh, that, you know, you don't, it should not be about property. Uh, and of course, I mean, there's many other issues. The question of food sovereignty is another important issue because this, you know, these big companies control the food chain. The food prices are only going up. People are starving. People are malnourished. So food sovereignty is a very crucial issue for us. We certainly believe, you know, that in small-scale farming, I think the whole idea of collective farming is a mistake. We believe that small-scale farming is the most effective because then you should allow private enterprise in, fact, in farming. You know, we've been reading Oscar Mann. I don't know if you know the writings of Oscar Mann. He was a, a, Polish, uh, a Polish economist. I think he, he was one of the advisors of Wurzelfeld after the 1929 uh, Great Depression. And he put some brilliant pamphlet. On, on socialism, it is called on the economic theory of socialism. And we agree with Oscar Lenin. If you look at the failure of the Soviet Union, Oscar Lenin was correct in saying that your farming sector and your small business sector should be made in the private enterprise. Yes, you should nationalize big business under the democratic management of the working class, you know, because. Because the dominance of big business leads to the stifling of innovation, the stifling of small business. You know, so so for us, that's the, the main issue in terms of the difference between a capitalist society and a social society, is that big business must be nationalized. It must be under the democratic control of the working class. It, it should not be about profit maximization for the one percent. You know, it should be about the needs of everyone in the society. You know, but but farming certainly should remain in private enterprise because you need people, you know, to be innovative, you need them to be productive. That's the other important message was from the Soviet Union. You know, they eventually had a problem with productivity. But you need to find ways of you know uh, rewarding workers, motivating workers. Oscar Lang said, for example, that you need to find ways, you must have as far as possible equality of income, you know, but it's relative. And, and, and obviously, we have different professions, and so it's a relative equality of income, but you need to find ways of motivating working class. Let's say, for example, if you're a productive worker, you know, you get more holidays or whatever the case might be. So, so there are important issues. That the left wing should be debating, but 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 yeah, okay. But to come back to the point food production, food sovereignty is another very important issue for the left wing. Um, the ecological crisis, I mean, look in the media, 
is an extremely arid and extremely hot country. Um, so we, you know, we in Africa, of course, we are the victims of the ecological crisis. You know, this crisis is created by the rich countries, the global north. But we, of course, we, we, we feel, you know, the, the effects here. We are, for the moment, certainly the main victims. Our climate, I can tell you, the climate in Namibia has changed so much. We've had, for example, over the last month, so much rain because we have all these cyclones coming from East Africa. If you look at the research, of course, you know, the, the sea in East Africa is warming up the fastest. And that explains where these cyclones are coming from. And so those cyclones come and end nearly in winter. And so we get so much rain over the past month, but it's because of the climate breakdown. Um, so yeah, so, so in Namibia, cannot survive without some cooling system in the house. Uh, the city of Walfish Bay is a low-lying city, so as the sea levels rise, Walfish Bay will be one of the first cities in the world to be submerged, you know. So in terms of long-term thinking, definitely we need to set up sea walls, dikes, to protect these low-lying cities. So instead of being crazy about profit all the time, we should be thinking about how do we counteract you know, the ecological disaster? Uh, what are the things that we need to do? We need to, of course, you know, that when, when we say about extractivism, it's an important debate, but we must understand that we still need certain minerals to continue with, with you know, sustainable society. We need zinc, we need copper, there's certain things that we would need, you know, for alternative energy. But others, we need to stop. We need to stop, you know, for us, the, the, the production of uranium, for example. Um, you know, who's going to pay, you know, for the years of tension of this mine? Those mines will be, you know, radioactive for a thousand years, and so forth. So, so I think there are very important issues in terms of the ecological disaster that, that we do need to look at. We obviously need to. Um, you know, the production of private cars. Uh, at some point, we definitely need to ban, you know, private vehicles on the roads, and especially in the global north, uh, we need a free and effective public transport system and so forth. Uh, you know, there are important issues in terms of the climate breakdown that we should be looking, obviously, to, you know, phase out as quickly as possible use of fossil fuels and so on. So, uh, I mean, you know, the Ukrainian war is, is once again, you know, it's about oil and gas, the war, first and foremost. Um, so, 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 of course, so the ecological issue is a very important issue for the left wing, and certainly definitely for us in the movie. It's one of the issues that we have to continue to speak about and raise, you know, raise consciousness around. Because there's others, I mean, there's the gender question, the patriarchy, you know, in the movie, Still have a very strong patriarchal system, uh, you know, the, the violence against women and children, uh, you know, the violence against gay, lesbian, LGBTQ plus uh, community. Fortunately, is now well organized in Namibia. Uh, we have a strong young feminist movement in Namibia, you know, so yes, so, so we are encouraged. I mean, that's for us, it's certainly one of the encouraging issues in the middle. It looks like 
they are finally going to deal with the demand for their right to reproductive rights uh, and so on. So, so yes, of course, there's a massive issue for us as well. So, so there are some, you know, some some advances. Uh, definitely, see, especially with, amongst young women, there, there's a very progressive movement in this country. Gives us a lot of hope for the future. Although, of course, you know, we must say, <laughs> us older left-wing uh, activists are not uh, happy yet about the level of intergenerational transfer of consciousness of organizational structures, but we continue to work at it. We would like to see a much stronger new generation of young activists who can take the best things forward for I, I absolutely agree. And I think everything you had to say about the struggle in Namibia and, and across the global south is very, very relevant and, and worth consideration for those of us who, who are in the global north. Um, I do have to go, but I would just say thank you so much for taking the time to do another uh, you know, round of questions and, and to hear more about the unique situations in Namibia, but also how they relate to struggles across the global south. So thank you so much and continue the incredible work, uh, continue discussion and debate um, on Marxism in Namibia and spreading you know, the theory and, and, and also the praxis, as you're saying, into Namibia. So thanks so much and, and take care. Well, thank you yeah. for asking me all the best with your good work there. And yes, we can stay in touch. If there's anything else, let me know. We can certainly continue with the conversation. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. All the best. Go well. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.